0: Welcome to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. On today's episode of our daily NYFF 59 podcast, NYFF Director of Programming Dennis Lim is joined by The Lost Daughter writer and director Maggie Gyllenhaal and cast members Olivia Coleman, Dakota Johnson, Jesse Buckley, Ed Harris, Paul Meskel, Peter Sarsgaard, and Dagmara Deminchik to discuss their spotlight selection of this year's festival, The Lost Daughter, presented by Citi. In her striking feature directorial debut, Gyllenhaal adapts the 2006 novel of the same name by Elena Ferrante, a potent work of psychological interiority that follows Lita, a divorced professor on a solitary summer vacation who becomes intrigued and then oddly involved in the lives of another family she meets there. Oscar winner Olivia Colman brilliantly embodies this quietly tempestuous character, finally shading in the enigmatic relationships she creates with strangers. A moving, sometimes unsettling inquiry into motherhood and personal freedom, Gyllenhaal's adaptation maintains Ferrante's signature ambiguity and matter-of-fact style and features an outstanding supporting cast. To learn more and get tickets for this year's NYFF, taking place through October 10th indoors and outdoors throughout New York City, visit filmlink.org. Enjoy this conversation with Maggie Gyllenhaal and the cast of The Lost Daughter.
1: Congratulations and thank you to all of you, Maggie. In your introduction, you talked about a dream screening. Did this come close in any way?
2: Yeah, actually, my seat was taken, so I sat up there and got to see. Oh no! Everybody got to look down. <laughs> oh, at that's everybody sometimes better. It. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. Yeah, it was amazing.
1: Good. Um, I'm going to start with a question, a couple couple of questions for you, and then I'll try to get everybody else in. Um, You spoke in your introduction, I thought, very eloquently and beautifully about how Elena Ferrante's work resonated with you. Can you say a little bit about how you zeroed in on this particular book, um, The Lost Daughter, which is not one of her best-known works?
2: Um, Yeah, so I, I started reading the Neapolitan novels, and I read them kind of as they were coming out. And in fact, my friend who recommended them to me is here, um, whose last name is Caruso. <laughs> I just stole that. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I remember having to wait for the third one to be translated into English. Like, I was kind of on the, you know, was, I, I loved them. Uh, and then I read Days of Abandonment. Um, and Days of Abandonment is the book that I dropped that was so truthful and painful that um, I kind of felt like I couldn't take it for a minute. Um, And I, I, to be honest, I I did first look into getting the rights to that book. And the publisher said, you know, they're tied up. They're really complicated. There was an Italian movie a made. The publisher said that she thought that Ferrante and I would be a good match. And she suggested that I read The Lost Daughter. And I read it in a weekend. And I was like, (laughs) yes. You know, I think they're all very similar in what they're, what they're talking about and what the seed of life in them is. And so it accomplished the same thing for me.
1: And I understand that you actually contacted Elena Ferrante directly?
2: Well, the publisher said, you know, I think you would be a good match, but it's really up to her. So um, my task was then to, to ask Ferrante for the rights. So because she's anonymous, I, I wrote to her. And I spent like three weeks on this letter. And again, many of the people in this audience read drafts of it, or maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe three of them. Um, and uh, she said, I, I asked her for the rights to the book to adapt and, and, and said that I wanted to direct it. And she responded and said, yes, you can have the rights, um, but this contract is void unless you direct it.
1: She actually wrote a piece. I think it was published in the Guardians specifying that, right? Before you'd made the film.
2: Well, you know, so that, that uh, because I don't know who she is, she kind of lives in So my you life.
1: don't have any insight, even as somebody who's had any... I,
2: you know, I keep it. like trying to figure out what joke to tell about like how I actually <laughs> know her, but no, I don't. And she lives in like my fantasy life. Yeah. You know, she's like this incredibly wise, in my mind wise older woman who keeps giving me freedom and confidence to move forward in the world i mean i and so so the guardian piece you know she first she says i have to direct it or i can't have it anymore um and then as i'm adapting uh all my friends in england in in the uk were like oh, my God, this piece came out in The Guardian. And it's basically Ferrante saying um, that even though it's difficult for her to imagine giving up her piece or having the parameters of it change, that she knows that the only way that it will be successful, like really artistically successful, is if it becomes mine. And she says that if I were a man that she would not offer me this freedom, but that because I'm a woman and a woman artist, she knows she has to.
1: So, I guess what did that mean for you to make it yours?
2: Well, I mean, I I, I think it was already, I, I had been writing with the book as a kind of Bible, like mm-hmm. it was like under my arm, you know? And, um, I hadn't ever written a screenplay before, but I, I have read many and worked on many and analyzed many, and I, I feel like the the process of for me anyway. It'd be interesting to know what you guys think mm-hmm. about this, but like having a piece of writing, a, p- a script, and. Um, taking it apart as an actor to figure out what is the essence here? What is the life in this? Okay, it's a scene between two people at a deli counter ordering a sandwich, but is it a seduction? Is it an apology? Like, what is it? Why is it in the story? That's the same thing I did with the book. And so I was kind of working my way through the book like that, really using it as a North Star. And then at some point, I lost the book. Like, I don't even know where it was in my office. Um, and I got like really interesting notes from people, writers, first two writers, two, they're, they're both here. Um, and uh, they both told me that the toy store scene was in the wrong place. Um, in the book, it's, it's much earlier. So then you have to live with this woman who you know has done this aberrant transgressive thing for much longer. Uh, well, no, no, sorry. It's not that. It's that in the toy store scene, she reveals that she left her kids. Um, and so you have to you know it's a lot longer that you're living with her and both of these writers said to me it doesn't make work it doesn't work it has to come later and so then once I started to take apart the structure they were right it was clear that they were right um then it all started to fall apart and then it started
1: to like take more liberties it started to sex. be mine I mean the, yeah.
2: the movie's very different than the book mm-hmm. and in fact just one thing about Ferrante also the last sort of real interaction I had with Ferrante was the ending of the movie is basically the absolute opposite of the ending of the book. The, the words are the opposite. And I struggled and struggled with the ending of the book. I have so much respect for Ferrante. I have so much respect for her mind. Like, What does she mean? How can she mean I'm dead, but I'm fine? Well, how can she mean that? Now I have some more insight into it. But at the time, I thought, it's the opposite. I'm just going to write what I think. Um, and uh, and she, like, really gave me her blessing on that. She was mm-hmm. like, I love it.
1: <laughs> I, I want you to, you know, talk about the other actress as well, but I think at a certain... At what point were you thinking of Olivia for this part?
2: Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> I just... I was saying this today, you know, you're like... It's the same with Bon Jovi, like, <laughs> I was like, why not just put Bon Jovi in? Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? He's, I'm going to ask him if I can use this song and he's going to say no. And I'm going to feel disappointed maybe for a few days and I'm going to handle it. You know, and it was the same with Olivia. I was like, well, two things, actually. Today, someone interviewed us, all of the women here and said, these parts are so different for all of you. And and I agree, and I think, like, something in me was like, I want to see Olivia do this from across the ether, like Ferrante. Like, I have a feeling she's going to kind of be into this. And so I just took a chance, you know, and we had a, uh, we drank a bottle of champagne, and at the end of the bottle, she said yes.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank God, right?
1: Olivia? Your, what was your response to the script?
3: Um, uh, well, I, first of all, sorry, <laughs> um, uh, Maggie approached me and I was terribly excited that Maggie Gyllenhaal had approached me about anything. Um, and we arranged to meet and I don't think I'd read it by then. I we were just wondering about working together. Is that right? <laughs> you told me you
4: read it. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> I, that's right, I had read it and ah uh, <laughs> i can't I can't remember the order of things um maybe that's what happened and uh i was i was terribly excited about playing someone I hadn't played before about Maggie being you know in charge of it and uh it was sort of a it was you know a yes, and i whether I read the script then or later i can't remember but um I, You know, over the years, I've read a lot of scripts and I love when you read it and you go, oh, I could do this. Or, you know, we all know that feeling when you get one and you go, oh, yeah. The litmus, my lovely agents say, imagine someone else doing it. How do you feel? They go, oh, no, can't that. No, that can't happen. So it it was one of those ones.
1: We don't have a lot of time, but I kind of want to get everybody in here. And I feel like maybe one way to do it is for you to talk a little bit about how you put, you know, it's an incredible ensemble. Of actors, and all of them are playing, I think, quite complex characters, even if they're smallish roles. So, can you talk about how you put some, put everybody in here? And I also want to, you know, hear you talk about directing actors as somebody who's been directed as an actor for, you know, your entire working life, and maybe the actress can weigh in on that as well.
2: Yeah, I liked hearing you guys talk about that today. I heard Paul Mescal does a really good imitation of me. <laughs>
5: This is not the first question I'm ever going to be asked, it's a bit, so I'm not, um, <laughs> okay, so Maggie, because <laughs> we were, it was sorry, during, you did this, I'm so sorry. Uh, it was obviously during, we were shooting this during <laughs> Corona, and so Maggie would come up with this with the mask on, and she'd kind of come close to you, and you'd be like, okay, what's, what wonderful note is going to come our way, and she'd go, um, I just think that um <laughs> I just I, and something exquisite comment and you kind of be like, okay, <laughs> let's do that. But that's uh, a, a nervous impression. But uh, oh, so.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just so sorry.
2: What Ed, I see something coming from you. Huh? <laughs>
6: you wanna hear something from me?
2: I hear I see you
7: thinking.
6: Oh, no. <laughs> He's thinking of a better impression. Oh well, well you told me I was going to have a chance to dance. I said, "Yeah, I want to <laughs> do it." No, I'm joking. I, I, uh, when I read the script, I, I, I tell you the truth, I was a little bit on the fence. I mean, I really wanted to work with you, and I and I admired you, and yeah, I didn't want to work with Olivia at all. But <laughs> no, I was excited about the, all that. But I didn't. The script and I, Amy, my wife, who's an actress, read the script. Because I, I, I just didn't. Qu- she said, "Ed, this is fucking great, you know. Like, what what's your problem here?" And so uh, I read it again with with, with what I what I with what I attempted to be a woman's point of view, a fem- you know, female's point of view, uh, and it helped quite a bit. And I said, "Yeah, I'd love to do this."
2: Thank you, Amy Madigan.
0: Take home limited edition merch from this year's 59th New York Film Festival. The official NYFF 59 poster, designed by artist Kara Walker, plus original NYFF t-shirts, hats, and more, are now available. Shop online at filmlink.org slash merch, or during the festival at Alice Tully Hall and the Eleanor Bunan Monroe Film Center.
2: Well, Jessie's next, uh, just in terms of how she came along um, when we had our boozy lunch. I said to Olivia... Oh, that's right.
3: I had read the script because that's how I... That's right. That's how you knew I there was a younger the I you. I read the script. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: um, and we were talking about who that could be and what that could mean. And, you know, I think that was one of the trickiest parts about this directorially. You know, how that could have been awful. And it, And I think one of the things we were saying was like, these are going to be two grown-up, full-fledged, incredible actresses. I'm not going to ever ask the audience to pretend that they're actually the same person. But if you go into your unconscious, poetic mind, like, let's have an experience together where they are. So who could that be? And uh, Olivia said, well, what about Jesse Buckley? And that weekend, um, Wild Rose had come out in New York, and I went by myself and I watched that movie, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, <laughs> Jesse Buckley. <laughs>
4: must have been more than champagne that you drank <laughs> on that lunch. <laughs> do, you, do I say something now? Yeah, do. Um, do you going to do an imitation of me? No, <laughs> I'm starving. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it was a no-brainer. It was like Maggie and the script, and, um, and then we ended up in Greece, so that was lovely. <laughs> um, and it was an amazing... Uh, I know that woman, you know, like I'm all that woman. We're all that woman. My mom's that woman, my sister's that woman. Um, And it was kind of scary to like, I guess, go there, (laughs) but also really um, rewarding because it's honest and um, it's kind of like you took a big sigh after I read the script. and i was like so uh, there was a few weeks after i like spoke to you first and i couldn't stop thinking about it and i was just in the night when you texted me asking would i do it i was just about to text you being like look look I, I, i'm so sorry but i can't stop thinking about this please let me be the water boy or you know paul's pool friend or something in it i'll, I'll bring the ice creams <laughs> like ice cream. Um.
2: Yes, he's like
1: like a sister. Should we go through the whole row of yes actors?
8: Paul, you well, don't have
5: done to. My own. impression. <laughs> Noah,
8: you need to do more, better. Go.
5: Um, I remember it was one of the first scripts I read last summer, and Chris uh, rang me up and he's like, "There's this script by Maggie Gyllenhaal," and I lost my mind. I said, "I just." want to be involved in any way possible. And I remember I met um, Maggie on a Zoom and it was kind of one of those crazy moments when you're looking at somebody who you've watched for years and years and you're suddenly in a really creative conversation with them and there was just such a thrill about it. And then Peter came into the background and he's like, hey, I'm Peter. <laughs> so, and then we landed in Greece and you're suddenly in scenes with Olivia and you're surrounded by this. And it, for me, the experience was, I obviously learned a huge amount when I was working, but it was more so getting to watch this incredible group of people go to work on a daily basis. Wasn't this your
7: first movie?
5: Yeah. First movie. (laughs) So it it, it was a really, really special time with amazing people.
8: Dag. Maggie, first of all, I haven't seen the movie. So I'm sitting here having kind of an out-of-body thinking, I watched the movie and everybody was brilliant and, oh my gosh, I look all right. And then <laughs> um, and then the other part of me is, oh, we were on an island in Greece during a pandemic. I remember, hey, that's a crew guy. He's in that scene. Okay. You know, like it's that, because um, I just saw it. Anyway. I met Maggie in New York somewhere, somehow, and I've always loved her from a, from a distance. And then I met these two, and um, my husband and I were like, they're so awesome. And then I got a thing on the deuce, and we worked together, and we had the best time, and Maggie said, ah, we should work again together. I want to do a movie with you or something. And I was like, yeah, let's. Um, <laughs> because you hear that sometimes from very lovely um, actors and or directors, they meet you. They think you're cool. Oh, let's work together. And she fucking meant it. Well, I wrote this
2: part for Dagmara. I mean, we don't didn't know each other very well, but we had done. We also did another little movie together years yes. ago. Oh
8: yes, we did. Yeah, I forgot.
2: Um, and I also saw you in Vera Farmiga's movie. Oh yeah. Um, and I thought I just. I didn't even know I was writing it for you, but I was. And then um, when it came around, yeah, I mean, it, that was very lovely and easy. And,
8: it was the best. It's a it's a no-brainer, too. You see that and these names, and it was a pandemic. And it actually was, like, kind of thematic because I thought, well, I can't leave my kids in the middle of a pandemic, and there's virtual online school, and, like, my mom's here, but she doesn't drive, and my husband's away. I can't do it. I can't do it, you know? And my girlfriend's... Uh, who are all moms, who are not actors, said, you have to do it. And then I got to Greece and, I, and we quarantined, and Olivia, after 14 days, I came downstairs and I saw all of them in the garden, and guitars, and music, and drinks, and cigarettes, and I was like, oh. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I thought, oh gosh, did Cal do his homework today? And, and Olivia looked at me and said, I said it in the interview, and I'm going to repeat it because it was a profound moment for me. She said, Dad, in a minute, we'll be back at the car line picking up the kids. That's not going away, but this will, so milk it for every drop. (laughs) It was magic, and this movie's magic, but I need to process
7: Hi. 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 Um, We had lunch, and, well, you're better at telling this part than I am. You say it really well. You have to talk now,
3: Dakota. Come
7: on. You're not the boss of me. (laughs) Yeah, you tell it, you tell it. Maggie and I had lunch, and I was so kind of mesmerized by this script coming out of her brain. And I wanted to, I really wanted to like go, go there with her. And sometimes in these meetings, you have a meeting about a movie or a script and it's like, are we going to talk about it or are we going to like really talk about it? And we kind of did like a surface conversation for three minutes and then just went like the Mariana trenches deep. We were, like, in. And then, and I realize, actually, now talking about that part of the mo- of the process is kind of like what Nina wanted so badly with Leda was, like, this fascination with this woman which made her think, like, is there more for me? Can I do more? And being so hungry to be seen and so, like can my brain expand? Can my heart expand? What if I think bad things? Or if, what if I have an ugly thought or an ugly behavior and I don't know what to do? Or what if I feel like I'm failing or I can't do it? And like all of these things that also belong to me as Dakota definitely came out at Maggie throughout shooting. <laughs> um, but I think the parallel in that and this thing that I saw in this girl and this woman who just, really wanted more for herself but was sort of in like a vacuum and wasn't seen and wasn't heard and probably won't ever be except for in that one moment and then then you had to go and ruin it by stealing a fucking doll How did you meet Maggie?
9: (laughs) So Maggie and I were having sex. (laughs) She said, hey, you're really good at this. (laughs) Why don't you do it in my movie? Um. (laughs) Um. Wow, what is there to say? I mean... It is pretty amazing. You know, when Maggie first told me she was going to do this, you know, like from the first sentence, the first, you know, she told me, I'm going to make this thing into a movie. I think I thought, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds fine. And I was actually writing something at the same time. And it's difficult to describe Maggie's level of focus and intensity when going after the truth with people, <laughs> um, with material. Um, and let's just say that I was still writing the thing that I was writing when we were shooting. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was just a thrill to work with my wife. I mean, I, I, everyone should try it. <laughs>
1: That's all I have to say. I'm getting the sign that we are out of time. Let me just throw one quick question to you, Maggie. Has Elena Ferrante seen the film?
2: No, she hasn't yet. Um,
1: Unless she's here tonight and we don't know it.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. I imagined her with like a a veil (laughs) in Venice. (laughs) I have been... Assured that as soon as she sees the film, that she'll write to me. Yeah. Um, her publisher saw it and 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 promised me that.
1: Okay. Well, I want to thank and congratulate all of you for the film. <clears throat>